Hey everybody, God bless you. Welcome to Swerve Church. My name is Danny and I'm so glad that you took out some time this morning to get together with us, to join us in worship, to sit under the teaching of God's Word, and just to fellowship a little bit with one another. We have been in a series called Stay Positive, which we are continuing today. Now listen, when something is fresh and new, it's easy to maintain a very enthusiastic attitude about it. And when something is brand new, when something is, you know, newly experienced, when it's a fresh expression of something new in your life, it's very easy to maintain an enthusiastic attitude. Think about your first day at, at a new job, right? You get new clothes and you're all excited about, about your, your new position at this job and, and you're very concerned about, you know, the co-workers that are going to be there and how you look. Or think about a brand new relationship. You know, everything seems like rainbows, unicorns, and flowers, right? It seems like it's the best thing in the world and you're floating on cloud nine, right? When you're in a brand new relationship or a young relationship, it's easy to maintain that enthusiasm. Or, or think about back to school, right? When it's the first day back to school, you're excited, you have a new backpack, you have, you know, everything that you need for your first day to go back to school. You're thinking about your friends that you haven't seen all summer, and back to school, it's fresh, it's new. I remember when I used to go back to school on the first day of school, I just remember the, the smell of, of brand new paper and crayons and pencils. It was just a smell that I really enjoyed, of brand new backpacks. So every, when everything's new, uh, when everything's fresh, it's like it's, it's an exciting experience and it's easy to maintain enthusiasm. But what happens when what's new becomes routine? It, when it's no longer new anymore? We become less enthusiastic. It grows, you know, mundane. It becomes regular. It becomes bothersome and even annoying, right? That new job now, if you've been there for years now, you don't, you no longer get excited about that new job. Now you dread having to go to work. And you're like, oh, those coworkers that you were excited to meet, now you hate because they are annoying and bring some bad habits to the table or or that new relationship when it is no longer new, now all of a sudden everything annoys you about that significant other. The way they chew or how they dress, right? It, everything annoys you now about uh, that other person after you spend some time uh, with them. Uh, or when you go to school, now you were excited for that first day of school and now you can't wait for it to be over and you can't wait for summer vacation to come. Uh, it's kind of like, remember, first day of church online. In the beginning of this whole quarantine mess and coronavirus and the age that we're living in, you know, it's kind of the first day of church online. We're all excited about getting together. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, go to church. Maybe you got up, you got dressed, you put on your clothes. Like if you were going to go to church, fast forward five months from then. And what about now? Now you're more like a couch potato. You got crud in your eye because you're just waking up. All right. You're in a miserable mood and you're like, when is this thing going to be over? Right. When something is fresh and new, it's easy to maintain enthusiasm about it. Uh, but then as it grows older over time, it's harder to maintain enthusiasm. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about spiritual enthusiasm. Now, how different is that attitude compared to what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? We're going to take a look at verses 57 and 58. You can follow along there. It's uh, on the screen or in your notes. It says this, But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the enthusiasm that Paul's writing with here. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
Look at the enthusiasm that Paul is writing with here. He's saying, being steadfast, be immovable, don't give up, always excel. Right? And the, you're doing the Lord's work, so continue to move. You know, what if we took this passage seriously and we applied it to our lives? What if we took this seriously and we applied the very uh, thing that Paul is talking about here, that, that, that enthusiasm that he mentions here, what if we applied it to our lives? You see, we have a choice to make. You have a decision. You can allow the environment to dictate your enthusiasm, or you can live with an enthusiasm in the Lord and allow that enthusiasm to dictate your environment. What choice are you going to make? Hey, what choices have you made in the past five months when it comes to everything that's been going on around us? Have you maintained an attitude of enthusiasm or not? You know, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I want to be enthusiastic, Danny. Where do I get it? Where do I find it? And so to answer that question, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament character named David. Uh, you may know David as the shepherd boy. You may know him as the king. Uh, David is an Old Testament character uh, that we're going to look at. And we're going to look at specifically a passage from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now let me give you guys some context. There's two nations that are at war here when we pick it up in 1 Samuel 17. You have, uh, the Israel, you have Israel's army and they're facing against the Philistine army. And they're in battle. Except they found themselves in a standoff because there's a gigantic sized problem by the name of Goliath that is standing between them. And so the Jewish army, they're shaking in their boots as they confront this giant. And here comes a young guy named David with a lot of spiritual enthusiasm. He comes in and he says this. Here's what happens when he confronts the Philistine army, and specifically Goliath the giant. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 to 46. Do you think he had a little spunk and attitude and enthusiasm? David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defiled him today. The Lord will hand you over to me today. I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the, the Israel army, they are quaking in their boots because of this giant Goliath who was quite intimidating, quite the warrior. But David comes here with all this enthusiasm, right, with all... With all this attitude, he comes and he confronts the giant Goliath and the Philistine army. And he tells them, Who, how, do you, how, how dare you confront our God and our King, the King of Israel, God, who rules over this nation? How dare you? And you come at me you know, with your tools and you come at me with your weapons. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And so he comes with all this spiritual enthusiasm. He comes, he enthusiastically enters this situation with confidence. You can maybe even say he had Godfidence, right, as he approached this situation. So where did all this enthusiasm come from? Where did he get all this enthusiasm? Well, it was birthed from a place of intimacy and relationship with God. So where did David's enthusiasm come from? Well, it came from this, the fact that he trusted God daily. He trusted God daily. You see, he had experienced God's faithfulness and he knew that God was trustworthy. You see, God had delivered him from the mouths of hungry lions and bears as he was a young shepherd boy watching over his father's flock. And God had delivered him from dangerous situations. I think what that means for us is not that we lack 
that we lack certainty. You know what I mean? I don't think that's what it means, but I think it does mean that when we find ourselves in uncertain times and when we find ourselves in uncertainty, we choose to trust God anyway. You know, where else did, did David get this confidence? Where else did he get this enthusiasm? Well, he walked with God daily. He walked with God daily. He had a personal relationship with God. David was the one that penned the words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he penned, He leads me beside still waters. This was a close, intimate relationship, a walk with God that he had. For us, I think it's so important that we know that it's not just a Sunday walk with God that we have, but that we have a constant daily walk with God. For David, it wasn't just a once a week walk. It was a daily walk with God. It was a special intimacy that was developed with God over time. And then thirdly, he worshiped God daily. He worshiped God daily. You see, worship was not something that he did. A worshiper was who David was. And, you know, he spent time in prayer. There was time in scripture reading. There was time in worship. David was a musician and a lyricist. He would write songs. He, he would write songs and play music and worship God. And I think it's so important for us as well that we acknowledge that, that we all worship. We, every single one of us, we all worship. The question is, who or what is the object of that worship? You see, for David, his enthusiasm came from his daily trust, his daily walk with God, his daily worship. His life was one of daily surrender and seeking out God the Father. And it's so important for us that, that we don't simply have a once-a-week relationship, a once-in-a-while relationship, a, a Christmas and Easter-only type of relationship with God, where we just seek God once in a while, where we seek God only when we need Him, but that it turns into this daily walk with God, this daily trust, this daily attitude of worship of God, so that we have this daily continual growing intimacy and relationship with God. Is your walk with God daily? Is your walk with God a daily one? Or do you just, you know, once in a while consider, let me, oh yeah, let me pray to God. It's been how long? A month now since I've prayed. Oh, you know, let me dust the, let me dust off the Bible. How long has it been since I've cracked open the Bible to read a passage? Uh, has it been three weeks now? Is your walk with God daily? Do you want to grow in intimacy with God? Some of you have this desire to draw closer to God and you want to know God more and, and, you, and you want to live a more Christ-like life and you're wondering, well, Danny, how do I do that? The, the answer is you have a daily walk with God so you can grow in this intimacy and relationship with Him. And then out of this intimacy and out of this relationship, David was able to confront Goliath with this spiritual enthusiasm that he had. Now, whatever you feed grows, right? Whatever you feed grows. That's true physically. Some of us know that all too well. And uh, that also includes spiritually. Whatever you feed grows. But you can also say that the opposite is also true. That whatever you starve diminishes. Whatever you starve fades. Whatever you starve disappears. And, and while we saw some of the spiritual enthusiasm in David's life, there was also the other side of that as well. In fact, we're going to look at two seasons of David's life. Let's continue reading the story of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's go to verse 48 now. And we see the same thing is true in David's life. There was two different seasons. There was a, a, a season of spiritual enthusiasm, but then there was also a season of spiritual lack. Well, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's continue the story of, uh, of this Philistine giant. Verse 48, when the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly. 
Notice his posture. He's running quickly to the battle, right? The rest of the Israeli army was quaking in their boots, standing back. David runs quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag. He took out the stone. He slung it and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. You see, guys, here we see with enthusiasm, David ran into battle to serve his God. Out of this place of spiritual intimacy and relationship with God, David saw an opportunity to glorify God in his actions. And while the rest of the Israel army was quaking in their boots, standing off, David runs into battle with enthusiasm to serve his God out of this place of intimacy and relationship with God. But in another season of his life, he wasn't so quick to run to the battle lines. In fact, look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to pick, it up, pick up the story there. He's a little bit older now in his life. This is years later. And it says this, In the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers in all of Israel. So David stays back while the rest of the army goes out to war. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David, what did he do? He remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed. And what does it say there? What's that word right there? He strolled around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. And of course, you guys know the rest of the story here. David would go ahead and see something he liked. And even though uh, she was another man's wife, he went ahead and took her for himself as the king and ended up getting her pregnant. And the story goes on and he ends up uh, putting her husband in the front lines, gets him killed so that he could have what he wanted. He allowed his lustful desires to take over his life and he did what he wanted to do in the first in first samuel he ran to battle in second samuel he just took a stroll on the roof right with apathy david walked on the roof to serve his comfort with apathy david walked on the roof to serve his comfort how does someone with so much spiritual enthusiasm as a kid lose it as a king? He took his eyes. He took his eyes off of his calling and he put it onto his comfort. He looked at the things that he desired, the things that he wanted. And at springtime, when all the kings go to war, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a, a step back and I'm going to just take a stroll. And on that stroll, the rest is history. And what happened? Now, let me ask you guys a question. Which season of David's life most resonates with you? Was it his enthusiastic response to running to the front lines of battle? Or was it his casual stroll on the roof of his palace, pleasing the comforts of his flesh? Which season of life most resonates with you? Can I take a guess? I'm going to take a guess that with everything that's been going on in the world, with all you know, all the, the fear and everything that's going on, the, uh, the quarantine, being stuck at home. I'm going to bet that it's, gonna, that it's been a challenge for some of you. I'm going to bet that it's been a challenge 
to keep up the spiritual enthusiasm, to have that same posture of, of, of following God daily, of reading God's word daily, of seeking and worshiping Him and growing in, your, in an intimate relationship with God. You know, some of you throughout this pandemic, you, you, you uh, experienced a surge of work. You've had more work on your plate than ever before. You've had longer hours because of everything that's going on in the world. You've had to work longer. And while some people have been quarantined at home or working from home, you may be working from home or maybe going into the office, but you've had more work because of everything that's going on in the world. Others of you, others of you, you haven't had a surge of work. Maybe you've been laid off. Uh, you were laid off and now you don't have any work. Maybe you're struggling financially and you don't really know. And so you've been stuck at home, uh, not having much to do. Maybe just setting out, you know, sending out resumes, trying to figure out what's next in your life. For others of us, you know, we've had that constant fear of sickness that's been, you know, lingering around us. And we hear good news and bad news and good news and bad news. You hear, you know, New York City's doing great. Other states are doing uh, poorly. And there's a surge, there's an increase in coronavirus cases. And maybe you've been living with this constant fear of sickness. Maybe you're tired of being stuck at home, surrounded by the four walls. You just want to get out like so many others that are just, you know, uh, breaking the rules and going out and socializing and gathering by the hundreds everywhere. Maybe you are desiring because there's this lack of community. There's this lack of fellowship and you long and you desire for that corporate worship. And that's been a, a key motivator for you when you're able to get together with brothers and sisters in Christ to worship. And since that's been lacking, that's been affecting your spiritual life. My guess is that somewhere between the month of March and now, there's been a lack of spiritual enthusiasm and there's been a steady decline in your spiritual life. What are we to do? What are we to do? If we find ourselves in that situation where we're lacking, where we are in a spiritual decline, we're lacking that spiritual enthusiasm. Well, I want to read Jesus' prophetic words to the church of Ephesus. He gave these words to the disciple John while he was uh, exiled to the island of Patmos. And he gave this word. We read it in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. This is what it says. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And this is where so many of us find ourselves today. Maybe it's because of the outside circumstances. Maybe because of the situations that we're experiencing. Maybe because of the financial hardship. Maybe because of the lack of a community. We have abandoned the love we had at first. We find ourselves lacking that spiritual enthusiasm. Lacking that intimacy with God. Read the next part of this with me, verse 5. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. There's a twofold response, there's a twofold solution to this problem that Jesus gives us in the book of Revelation to the church of Ephesus, and it's to repent and to turn. To repent and to turn. Repentance means that there's a change of heart, it means that there's a change of mind. There's a change of attitude. And then to return, it means that we go back to what we once did, which was that trust, that walk, that worship that we spoke about at first. That daily trust, that daily walk, that daily worship. And this is exactly the attitude that David had. David had an attitude of repentance. Later on in his life, when he grew in apathy as he strolled on the roof, uh, God confronted him about this sin. And David eventually repented and, tur and turned away uh, from his sin. 
Look at Psalms chapter 51, verses 10 and 12. David prays this prayer. And maybe this can be your prayer today too. Maybe this is where that spiritual enthusiasm begins in your life. Look at what it says. Psalm chapter 51, verses 10 through 12. Would you read it with me? Would you pray these verses with me? Let's pray. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Do you guys hear the passion with which David is reading these words? Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And maybe that's the prayer that you can pray today. God, renew a steadfast spirit, a spirit that is not going to give up, that's not going to give in, that's going to return to a daily walk, a daily worship with you, growing in intimacy and relationship, that growing in that spiritual enthusiasm. Restore the joy to me of your salvation. Remind of what that is and sustain me, God. Maybe that is your prayer today. Because you see, guys, we are not going to allow the outside environment to dictate our enthusiasm, to dictate our spiritual enthusiasm. Because at the end of the day, this enthusiasm is a posture of our heart. And we can get our heart in the right place if we are constantly trusting God, if we're walking with God, and if we're living our lives in worship and surrender to Him on a daily basis then God can restore the joy of His salvation. And we can have that in spiritual enthusiasm. And as we draw closer to Jesus, we'll grow in enthusiasm. And guess what? When you grow in that spiritual enthusiasm, it is infectious. And it will spread quicker than the coronavirus. Can I get an amen? If you have that spiritual enthusiasm in your life, it is infectious. And the people around you will catch it. And they'll grow in that as well. As we draw closer to Jesus, we'll grow in spiritual enthusiasm and affect others with that as well. Now, I want to give you guys the greatest reason for enthusiasm that we can have today. And the key is found in the first verses that we read. First, I want, I want to read it backwards. I want to read verse 58, which is where we get our encouragement for enthusiasm. Verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, whatever you do, uh, Paul also says elsewhere, you can do with all great enthusiasm because you're working as unto the Lord, not unto yourself. So you can be steadfast, you can be immovable, you can be always excelling, you can be enthusiastic because you're working uh, for the Lord and it's not in vain. But look at verse 57, which gives us the greatest reason why which we can be enthusiastic. Verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What victory have you and I experienced? What victory do we have? Let me tell you about that victory. We, in our sin, were dead to our sin and trespasses, the Bible says. And the Bible says that our, the wages of sin is death. You see, you and I, neither one of us can meet God's perfect and holy standard of, of perfection and sinlessness and holiness. 
because God is holy and we are sinful. We inherit a sinful nature from our spiritual parents, Adam and Eve. We are born sinful. And the Bible says because of our sin, we merit death and eternal separation from God and God's wrath. But God, out of his infinite love for you and me, gives us the gift of grace, gives us the gift of love, gives us the gift of pardon and forgiveness of our sin through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus was victorious. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life. Jesus died an innocent death on a cross to atone for our sin. And Jesus victoriously conquered the grave, rising from the third day so that we can be forgiven and have new life. And because Jesus is victorious, we can be victorious as well because for those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ we have forgiveness of sin new life the promise of an eternity away from all of this world's sin and away from this world's hurt and pain and cancer and sickness we'll be away from this one day in the presence of God forever and we can experience forgiveness of sin now we can experience an abundant life now we can experience renewed purpose now because of Jesus's work on the cross Jesus was victorious, praise God. And because he was victorious, we are victorious too. And that is, my friends, the greatest reason, reason that we can be enthusiastic today. We can be enthusiastic because we have the victory in Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to make Him your Lord and Savior, you have the greatest opportunity ever given to mankind today to put your faith in Him. Danny, what do I got to do? Do I got a tattoo scripture on my arm? Do I got to get, you know, uh, do I some sort of church membership? Do I got to, you know, pray 24 hours a day? It's none of that. It's not by our works, the Bible says. It is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. His work is the one that has the power to save. And all you need to do is make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Repent from your sin and put your faith in Jesus. Jesus is the one that is powerful enough to wash away your sin and to welcome you into the family of God. You have that decision. You can make it today. And I encourage you to do that today. For the rest of us, guys, we have the greatest reason to be enthusiastic today, and that is because Jesus is victorious. So we are victorious as well. Now listen, I know that it's been a hard season. These past few months have been extremely difficult. And, and uh, the reason I can speak with such authority uh, about my guesses towards your lack of spiritual enthusiasm is because I know how difficult it has been for me to maintain that same enthusiasm. But we're going we're gonna to repent and we're going to return. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to return to our daily walk with God, daily worship with God. We're going to work on growing that spiritual intimacy and drawing closer to God. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you, Lord, that we are victorious because Jesus was victorious over sin and death. He conquered the grave. And God, because he is a conqueror, we are conquerors. Thank you so much for forgiveness of sin and new life that we have in Jesus Christ, that we too can be victorious because of him. Lord, I pray, I know, Lord, many of us are living apathetically right now amidst all the turmoil, amidst all the struggle, amidst all the hardship. 
God, but I pray that we may return to an enthusiastic spirit, enthusiastically seeking you, enthusiastically growing in our walk with Christ as we pursue you, as we walk with you, as we worship you, as we cry out to you, as we trust you daily. God, I pray, Lord, that we may grow in enthusiasm. Lord, and I pray that everything that we do, Lord, spiritually, yes, absolutely. But Lord, even in, even like the, the mundane, the regular things, God, I pray that we may do it unto you, Father, our family, the way we, we lead our families, the way uh, our marriages, our, our relationships, uh, God, our work, Lord, our schooling, uh, and all the rest, God, that we may do it not unto us, not unto man, but we may do so unto you, Lord, and so that we may work enthusiastically with our hands. God, thank you for the good work of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, turn away from our apathy and grow in spiritual enthusiasm for your glory and your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen.